Welcome to The Complete Musician, creativity at its core, exploring innovative musical ideas, thoughts, and techniques for the modern musician in today's society, with your hosts, James Nagus and Drew Phillips. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Complete Musician Podcast. I'm James. And I'm Drew. And we're back with another exciting episode, a new topic, a new series of uh, questions that we'll answer, perhaps. Uh, at least questions that we're going to ask each other uh, about yeah. the topic, maybe, since we've only come up with the word and haven't planned any part of this. Yes, and the word is recipe. That's right. We're going to be talking about our favorite cooking topics, <laughs> cooking <laughs> recipes, uh, crockpot meals, one-stop instant pot recipes, Instapot That's what we agreed on, is, right? Yeah, Instapot is the jam, and we're going to list 35 reasons why you should only cook in your Instapot and never use your oven again. Right, because no one has time for a roast. Let's be real. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not actually the word. What? What is it? But it does start with the same two letters, uh, three letters, and it is recording. Oh, okay. Now, we've talked about recording before, but we talked about recording in the context of getting better at your instrument like recording your own practice sessions for reflection afterwards but this is a different type of recording that we're going to talk about today and we're going to talk more about recording yourself professionally to try and get the best um the the best take of yourself on music that you can and the recording that we do a lot of specifically is recording demos of our own music or music that we just want to record um that sounds good. Recording yourself practice is often the thing that we dread. I know I never enjoy listening to myself in the practice situation because in that case, we're kind of looking for the mistakes, right? That's the whole point. But recording uh, arrangements or recording fun stuff, like it's fun. And that's the whole idea. And it can be challenging and frustrating, but the end goal is that at least I do it because uh, it's fun to do. Yeah, it produces a really cool uh, end product, um, especially when you're having a good time doing it. But you're right, it's not without its frustrations and it's not without its difficulty, certainly, especially when you're trying to showcase the best part of your playing. Um, so it's something that we need to practice. And <laughs> yeah, I don't even like listening to myself talk. So listening to myself play. I don't is like listening also... to you talk either. <laughs> uh, I, well, oh, that's sorry. natural. Uh, <laughs> I knew this was one sided. And I don't like listening to that. So listening to myself play is sometimes even worse. But at least I can make a tone that's way more pleasing than my voice on the horn, hopefully. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you want to uh, check out some basics on recording, I think you can check out our other episode. I don't remember which one. I think we stopped kind of labeling numbers of episodes, but we talked about some basics there in terms of equipment and stuff, I think. And if we didn't, just let us know. <laughs> We didn't, but that's okay. We did. <laughs> that's, did that's we really fine. not talk even about like basic microphones? Oh no! Wait, I thought you were talking about numbering the episodes. Oh, that we still number oh. the episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's fine. Okay, go back to your. Uh, what did you say? Because I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> let's just jump right into talking about let's not worry about equipment necessarily no. I, that's haven't, what I, was thinking. I have an idea 
you're gonna jump right in okay yeah i have an idea okay the idea um i have an idea too what if we coat sleds in metal and then people can slide on them and off them at the same time (laughs) is that not the idea that you had that's a that's a no that's a great idea boy you should go on shark tank with that one immediately uh no but my idea um okay so recording is difficult and all that kind of stuff but i think or i want to see what you would say i know that with recording there's one or like there's a big issue that always seems to prevent my recordings when i do them from making them like perfect or it's always the main concern that i have with the recording i can think of one word that describes it like one playing thing or one like musical term that is the most difficult thing i think about recording and i want to see what you think um it depends on how many voices i would say the two big ones wait, 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 don't, don't say it oh i'm just the idea it? is no <laughs> okay the idea of this was i can't wait to edit this and hear that long scream i just did i know the thing i want to like say one two three and then say if we say the same thing oh uh, okay all right one word. i did not I explain only have one chance yes i only have one <laughs> okay okay so i'll say one two three and then we'll say the word and let's see if it's the same okay okay is you got your musical thing yes okay here we go and one two three coordination intonation. Uh, well we got you said the intonation in, you said coordination yeah intonation was my other thing no i thought so well i got close you're right it totally depends on what the uh on what or how many voices you're recording. Coordination is definitely a part of it. So why don't we delve into both of those for just a second and talk about what we do to help when we're recording that way. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first. And I okay. mean, if I, I can talk about coordination, if you want to talk about intonation, that sounds good. So some of the demos that I do are for large horn ensemble pieces. Like we talked about actually last podcast, we talked about doing arranging. And so I have, I've done up to 12 or 16 part pieces and the biggest issue there beyond intonation for me is quite frankly just lining up all the parts and the easy solution there is either doing having a metronome click track in your headphones in your ear as you're playing uh, which relies on the piece having a steady tempo or if you have some kind of reference track to play with if you have a midi program you export a midi or if you have a recording of the piece already and you're just doing a version of it, then you can play along with that recording. Just having something in your ear to line up the parts. And whether if you want to turn that off after one track and play with your first track or keep it on the whole time, either one of those or both in combination is definitely the easiest way to help your coordination. And just stopping and checking every once in a while, I think, is good to to make sure that you're in the right track. And then The nice thing with technology is that when you're done, you can always scooch things back and forth. If you didn't quite line up an entrance perfectly, we can manipulate that, which is completely unrealistic, you know, for live performance. But oh, let's totally get into editing in just a minute. But yeah, um, sure. But uh, with coordination. So question, 
when do you find that you single track and when do you find that you use other voices playing in your ear as you're recording when do you do you have any specific moments that you do one or the other well i try to keep all the parts that i am recording in my ear as i record them so i can play at least try to play in tune with myself Mm. um yeah that's well i'm not going to take over your spot um do you find that it's easier to uh, play? Like, do you find it's easier to coordinate music that moves like quickly or slowly? Oh, well, I would say definitely quickly because, especially mm. if you have consecutive eighth notes or sixteenth things mm. that are in kind of a homorhythmic, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, if yeah. they move together at the same time, that's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard to do. Um, now, if you're doing something like you're recording a horn and piano piece, like you're blasting through the old Mason Jones book, then you can quite frankly lay down the piano part and play over that. And that's not too bad because they're two different voices entirely. That's right. a lot easier. I or agree. if you're doing an unaccompanied piece, then forget about it because you're just playing by yourself. Right. So as long as you line your playing up with the ac unit that keeps you know turning on and off <laughs> then you'll be fine i totally agree with you fast music you're you're right when you're playing and if you're just doing with a metronome or even if you're doing with some other voices in your ear i always find it astounding to listen back to a track and line them up and you realize that determined by unfortunately sometimes by range or determined by dynamic level or just like how notes are speaking some just don't speak the same or you right. did things just a little differently enough to be irritatingly noticeable like in fast music yeah and it illuminates the importance of communication in chamber music like this is all this is chamber music without anyone else or a conductor which is impossible <laughs> if no one's breathing together moving together you're not making eye contact with anyone unless you have a mirror and you're staring into your own eyes um and your which soul is weird but mm. anyway it's when you then go and make music with other people you're like oh that's right this is how it's done <laughs> This is so much easier. Yeah. Uh, you're right. With slower music, you you have a little bit of wiggle room, especially if it's like more longer durations of notes um, because you can not fudge entrances, but it's it's just easier to, to, uh, to get that coordination down with longer durations, I think. And, and to an extent, a little bit of wiggle room is that good old wabi-sabi right? The beauty in, in, of imperfection. It's the humanistic side of music performance that if something is too perfect, then it sounds like a computer. It's the little tiny mistakes that make it realistic. <laughs> you said that. Uh, I just, I heard wasabi. And Sushi, I yes. like, I was like, this totally relates. I, uh -huh. I completely identify with this. The little yes. ball the of green spiciness. Of really spicy snot stuff. Yeah. Um, mm. well, I, uh, you're right. Coordination is difficult and you're right. It, and now that I'm thinking about it, it does remind me how much more fun it is to play with other people and mm -hmm. how much easier it is to play with other people, especially if you don't mind my tangent, especially 
when it comes to playing in tune mm-hmm. um, with not either voices going in your head or when you have headphones clamped over your ears. Um, that is, uh, do you mind if I tangent, like go on? Oh, my thing I, now? Go for it. Absolutely. Right. Um, that's what I find the most difficult part is, is playing in tune. It, I, I've worked with, a tuner and i certainly know where all my slide positions are that need to be there and mostly what i need to do with all of my pitches and ranges blah but when i put headphones on or put a metronome in my ear or put other midi voices going on in my head it is just never the same as playing with anyone else Mm -hmm. and there are weird pitch things that happen and I, I mean, it's almost unexplainable because I know you and I, when we do demos together, like when one of us does piano and the other is playing horn, um, I never have those intonation issues ever. Like right. we, because we have, like we were saying, it's easier to play with a live person, but you would think that, you know, pianos are, you know, they have their set intonation, but you would figure a MIDI piano is like, in tune and you're like well i can hear my sound i should be able to tune with this and then you listen back and you're like nope (laughs) (laughs) nope that nope why was this c 30 cents sharp i have no idea i thought i was fine um and so that's that's my main thing is playing in tune with myself i think i i've tried a lot of different ways i've tried the headphones where the earbuds are right in my ears Mm -hmm. i've tried that and that is ultimately especially when playing with other voices exceedingly unsuccessful right yeah and i think that is really unsuccessful what is the fancy word for that is like in-ear monitors yeah that versus over the ear open and closed headphones and yes because you've used those too right yeah and that's what i usually use now and for a while i used those uh exclusively and i was still having some intonation issues and so now I do the over-the-ear headphones, but I, you know, only have the ones that have two uh, ones for each for each ear. So I take one of them off, and because I want to hear what my sound is, I take the right one off. Right. So I just play with half of it on, and I have to. If I'm doing a metronome, then I have to turn the metronome down so far that only I can hear it, and the microphone won't pick it up that's listening to me um and if i'm playing with voices i have to turn the voices down so far that the microphone won't pick it up but also so that i can hear which is really hard to do when you're playing and you can hear yourself bouncing off with just your right ear it's a really complicated situation right and i looking thinking about it i've never participated in a you know la film score session but i think a lot of the monitors they use are exactly what you kind of discovered through your little your scientific process is that it's a, a left ear with the right ear open so you can still have the same sensation that we're used to in terms of experiencing pitch through both our body and our ears right um have you encountered any of uh that kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for was I said the the bleed well, i was going to say the bleed of the metronome or your other playing or sound that it gets picked up from the microphone. Oh man, the one of uh, the piece I referenced 
in our last podcast, the uh, the Wind Waker fantasy I did. If you listen really, really, really hard in the middle of the piece during, I think it's the Windfall Island theme or Zelda's lullaby theme or something, um, I had a metronome going. That one I single-tracked, and the metronome was going with eighth notes the whole time because I did some things with tempo with some retardandos and stuff, but it was so loud that <laughs> it got picked up on the mic. So it's it's pretty tough to hear, but if you're listening for it, <laughs> then I think you clue right into it. <laughs> At least I hear it now when I listen. No one else who's heard it has said they can, but I, I can hear it. So what would you suggest to someone who needs to record with a metronome or what would be an alternative that might reduce bleed okay um or is bleed always a bad thing um that's a hard question i I think if someone needs to record to the metronome honestly okay at that point i would use in-ear monitor Mm -hmm. um i would and i i find that i find that to be helpful because i can turn that pretty down pretty far i've also played a concert with one of those digital holograms things. I played with oh, Marie. Yeah. yeah, I played a Maria Callas concert uh, some time ago. Since we're not time stamping this, uh, you know, in a previous engagement, and that we had an in-ear monitor, but it was more like a pulse. Mm. And so, when I set my metronome, if I set it more to a pulse setting, it's way easier. And I find that instead in-ear of monitor click. really helps. Instead of a click. that was yeah. That's really helpful. Um, but eliminating bleed, dude, I'm still, like, experimenting. Uh, <laughs> like, it yeah. is, it's really tough. Um, what are your suggestions for it? I haven't found any way that I'm really happy with yet. Yeah, with metronome, I guess the two options are, like you mentioned, uh, finding a tone that is a little less... Uh, high heavy something a little lower and then um, reducing that volume or I mean I guess suppose you could try a metronome that flashes at you instead of having an actual sound I would end up ignoring it but that would be really tricky yeah Yeah. Uh, in terms of other sound bleed I think in certain situations it's not necessarily a bad thing Hmm. if you're doing horn and piano you can have some weird delays <clears throat> like hearing the piano if oh, yeah. you're doing just horn stuff like say you're recording a horn quartet you really don't notice the bleed oh that's true because the rest of the sound is so loud oh yeah you're right so in that case that would just be a little experimentation so when you're setting up your mics and everything just try a little bit and see what you get i mean even when we record these podcasts sometimes i know if i have your volume turned up too loud in my headphones you know, we can hear your voice coming through my headphones into my microphone. So <laughs> we still experiencing all that kind of stuff. Down and down and down right now. Actually, that really helps when we're editing because it helps me light it up. <laughs> oh, well, there is that too. Like there's a little bit of delay. Yeah, so. just a little bit. Yeah. So that's when I go in and edit in silence. Mm-hmm. So we can't hear. But you're right. When one of us is talking and the other ones, you can't hear it. Right. Like you can't right. hear it. Um, so let so, me ask you a question oh, on intonation. Oh, okay. so when you are able to be successful in playing in tune with yourself, do you find that you are really focusing in on intonation with a tuner more, or are you focusing on that less and just 
playing essentially the two most key things i've found to playing in tune is just like you said not focusing on it at all uh, not focusing on playing in tune and playing uh where the pitch is the most resonant that's mm-hmm. that's been the most helpful and imagining when imagining if i was singing it if i was singing it then i place the pitch normally right instead of thinking oh boy this is you know c i'm gonna have to cover here or oh no this and this note is sharp i know i'm gonna have to bring it down whatever that usually spells disaster for not only that pitch and but all the pitches around it so if i think so inherently about it then i will ultimately screw it up so if I imagine that I'm singing the pitch and just playing with my best tone, that usually produces much better results. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is playing in a nice space. Yes. Unfortunately, I like when I record when we record some of our demos, at least at least ones that we just want to hear what the like what the piece sounds like. Like I just did a few that we'll talk about in a minute, I guess. Um but I just did a few that I just did right here in my little, like, basement area. Um, mm-hmm. Not a great space. Um, not the worst, but it's not a concert hall. Or it's not, like, a small recital hall that has just a little bit of reverb to it. Like, natural reverb. So, at times, it gets, like, some raw sound that I really don't like. And it, it doesn't just have... It's really hard to play in an enclosed space. We all know that. And because of mm-hmm. that, we can hear every little darn thing that we do. I hear every single attack and every single... It's like I'm playing against a wall because I'm literally playing you are. against a wall. <laughs> so it's it just makes everything really introspective. And at that point, I think we've discussed how recording in a smaller space is always... Uh, it just makes us question everything because you hear every little thing you do as opposed to getting in a really nice space where not that things are masked, but... It's more of what an audience would hear, which right. is what's coming out in front of you as opposed to what's coming out behind you. Right. The sound doesn't have a chance to develop right. and in a that, smaller space. Right. And so that has certainly done things to intonation because if I don't even like really the tone or I'm not enjoying too much the tone in my small area, it's it ultimately can translate into something that I'm not enjoy, enjoying when I record it. Although, again, in one of the most successful recordings I did um, was my fun arrangement of Out There from Hunchback. And mm. I did that mm. in one of our recital halls at school. And I remember having almost zero intonation issues with that because right. I was playing in a really nice space. So really I helpful. feel like... We compromise when we're in small spaces. Uh, I've done almost all of my recent demos in my small little office, which is very dry. I even have some uh, bass trap panels and acoustic panels to make it even more dry. Um, And one thing that I've found that I personally will do in a small dry space is I will play too soft. And not only does that affect my, my attacks, so I will fluff or air muffin way too many notes because i'm thinking i have to be so delicate yep. but i also it, i find it makes my intonation go weird Agreed. so one thing uh, that i tend to do when i record in this space is i will play louder like one or two dynamics louder or fuller yeah. than maybe is printed and knowing that i can always go back and literally dial it down <laughs> if i need it to be softer and speaking of that editing yes we certainly 
especially if it's like a demo of something or if we're layering. I mean, if you're recording a horn octet, you have to record all of those parts separately. So certainly it's not like a live thing. I mean, that's common sense, but yeah, you're not fooling anyone. <laughs> uh, right. Oh no. I suddenly split my soul into eight parts and create, you know, eight horcruxes. Then again, and they all play um, the horn. That, that's Steve not... Park did that. And you know, you get YouTubers who like record themselves playing videos of them, like eight and 12 and 16 of them playing. Granted, they're not actually playing so in what, that video right so what witchcraft are they using that we need to get a handle on <laughs> oh well they're just lip syncing oh uh, well all of them all the people who do youtube multi-tracks are lip syncing they record the parts in perfection and then they lip sync over top slash play are, sync over top i guarantee calling, it you are calling out all the fake natties right now yeah you guys are <laughs> i would do the same thing <laughs> it ensures you have a really good performance <laughs> um the only re that's true the o okay i do not record myself like my face because first of oh, all gosh. no one wants to see that like i i really don't want to see that um and i'd much rather put up a pretty picture yes. <laughs> of something but anyway Same. um but yeah so like even when we're doing with piano and horn uh i'm gonna burst the bubble those are spliced together of course like i don't that's not to burst anyone's bubble that's like i was playing through this one time and i chipped a note like i would in a real performance and i didn't like it so i went back and did it again because oh look i can do it better <laughs> in right. the hopes of like we always said showcasing yourself in your best light possible now granted um disclaimer alert here we are not advocating the use of editing when you're trying to be genuine like in a job audition situation and they're the, asking for live recordings that's different the the words live recording have a very real meaning that you better be able to back up right so if like on my recording i don't say live nope nope that means there's some editing which there's some editing is again editing is not a bad thing as long as it's you're not being immoral about it and trying to yeah. claim you're something you're not exactly which like you said being able to back it up is actually pretty easy uh, in terms of if you can't cut it then when you someone hears you play live in person and it's they scratch their not head <laughs> it's like this doesn't match what i thought they did okay right but like you're saying for horn and piano um i know a lot of the times when i record demos of my own pieces uh, it's right hot off the press, so I am learning them as I am recording them. So you know that I am making a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Every piano part ever. <laughs> Just I'm like changing things as I'm going along. Like I'm like, well, this is a perfect finished, you know, thing that I never want to change. And then I start recording, and I'm like, I can't do that. Let's sometimes change this measure right have here. Have you ever forever. recorded one hand at a time? Because I certainly have. For some things um i could burst the bubble of several recordings that i have done of one hand at a time because uh i have said it before and i will say it again i am not a pianist and i will never pretend to be and especially when it comes to recording other literature um like not our literature we can hack through our piano parts that we that we do i mean we can we're not going to record it if we can't play the piano most of the time right. but when it's other people's stuff the no like 
okay, I'll, do you want me to burst the bubble on one of them? Do you want me to go ahead and come out and like okay. admit the truth? Do it. Okay. Just what you said. Everyone, if you want to, go listen to the Ways In I just recorded. The song from the heart. Let me just tell you, that piano part is wicked. And there's a part in there where these the right and left hand have these like cascading motions. And the left hand is playing these pedal notes. I don't know what list type person has to have the hands or the <laughs> accuracy to play and jump with the left hand like it has to to hit those pedal motions. But I'll tell you, I can't. So I had, I did. I recorded the left hand by itself. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. I did. And you know what? It made a pretty sound. And first of all, no one's paying attention to the piano anyway. It was about the horn playing. Uh, but yeah, that... And I don't think there's any shame in doing that if you're just promoting your best self and if you're just doing something for pure enjoyment. Who cares? Right. You don't want to... We've all had sessions where we set up the mics and record and, and been... It, it's been frustrating because for whatever reason, things don't happen or we're tired or noisy and that's not a good experience. Like, the, like you said, we do a lot of this for fun and hopefully you record for fun. Right. So use the technology that you have take advantage of the fact that you can literally splice in a note if you feel like it um, um if you have any questions about what kind of editing software we use um no i have to say most of our editing is mostly just lining up and like splicing in parts i have mm-hmm. to say like i think at least you and i i think are of or not of the level but like we know we can do something like i don't try something if i know if i can't do it. <laughs> i'm not like i'm not going to record the concert stick that's Sorry. exactly what i was thinking i was like i am not about to do first move at a concert stick and then oh look i can't play up to the high e so i'm just gonna like midi in a d or something <laughs> like or right at the end it. of my c scale right i'm not gonna do that so uh most of the editing that we do at least is just shifting around to make sure things line up with whatever we do mm-hmm. um we're not really like you said splicing in notes that's not it it's because right. we, we want it to be a or we're doing things that we can do and are accomplishable for my skill level sometimes i i have actually done a slight bit of pitch shifting if like say a major last chord or something and the third is just ever so slightly high i can go in there and lower that third so it just locks into place. Like, I've done that before too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if certain yeah, yeah. things, and only if it's yeah. really heinously bad. Yeah. If it's if it's if it's indicative that I did this and it was my best run through of something that's like thirty some bars long. I didn't miss a note and I got to a chord and it's not like locks one hundred percent in tune. I will leave it. And that's because real people did this, and I am a real person, and I have flaws. It's okay. <laughs> Christina Aguilera told me I'm beautiful. <laughs> Sushi and wasabi. That's all you need to know. Okay. I'll remember that. Anyway, yeah, that's. <laughs> I certainly had to do that. But if you have questions on what editing software that we use or how we do it or you just want to try it yourself, um, let us know. And uh, we'll communicate with you what we use for, like you were saying earlier, equipment and stuff. Um, we'll tell you what we use to record and what kind of programs and all that kind of stuff. So two more quick editing things, at least in regards to, like, if you want to record a quartet or a octet 
an octet or something like that are the concepts of panning and reverb. And this can really help your final recording. Panning being moving the sound in space, left or right. So instead of having everything centered in the middle, you can just space out the parts as if you were to see them on a concert stage. So just thinking the part distribution one through eight or whatever it is, and then just scooching the parts over a little bit. Most programs have a panning feature and you can just experiment with that. So that helps put the, the sound in space. And another way to help put the sound in space is something that we both use, which is reverb, yep. uh, being the kind of the echo, right? Yeah. In the simplest way, reverb is, again, it's kind of, it's finding a space for the sound. So especially if you record dry, you can put that into a concert hall. And there are a lot of reverb programs. The most important things to know are the dry and wet sliders of reverb. Dry being the source sound, wet being just the echo that you hear. So you can move those sliders up and down to get the um, desired echoiness of the sound. And there's impulse response files and all kinds of crazy things you can get into, but those are some basics. So message us if you want to know um, more about what we use. Reverb always helps. And I just, every time I record dry, I listen and I'm like, this is ugh, gross. And then if I add just a touch of reverb and even a tiny setting, um, it always suddenly I'm like, oh, there's a tone. Mm -hmm. There's a tone I'm generally okay with. Always. Yeah. So in the spirit of reverb, uh, what if we post a couple clips now? Maybe what if we each did one thing that we did in our small spaces, but added reverb, and then one that we did in more an actual big acoustic space, just so you know, you all listeners can hear the differences and the advantages and disadvantages of both of those settings. Um, okay, I'll post one that I literally just did. Um, uh, about a week and a half ago with a composition I just wrote for one of my senior trumpet players um, called Euphoric Ride for Trumpet and Piano. Ooh, um, It's with a MIDI piano, but I did it in my small space because I just wanted to see what it sounded like. Um, a side note, if you're recording demos for yourself and it's not the instrument you play, you have to transpose it. Mm. And this piece was written for, you know, B-flat trumpet. And I either had to go up a fourth or down a fifth. Up a fourth was heinously sharp the entire time. And I ultimately trashed all of that and then ended up recording the whole piece down a fifth, which made it a little, I think, more wumpy, I guess, if that's an adjective. Yeah. Um, a, wumpy. We'll make yeah. it one. Yeah. Um, but it made it sound way more in tune and way better. So I'll post just a, a clip of that right here. beautiful thanks um and then for a better space or do you want to do yours sure i'll do my little space okay. this is the thing that i just finished which was a Rheinberger motet the abendlied and again i recorded this in my little home office and then i used impulse response files 
uh, for the reverb. It made a few adjustments and it sounds like this. That moved me. Where'd you go? To the other side of the room. Oh, back. wow. But okay. it was mostly to throw away my Chick-fil-A cup. But, oh, you know, it still okay. moved me. Uh, and then in my uh, a larger space, um, I already referenced this, but this is a recording I did in a recital hall uh, at school. Um, I did an arrangement of Out There from Hunchback's, uh, or The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, I arranged it for horn and piano that kind of melded the solo part in the Broadway musical part together because it's so much fun to play um and so i did live piano and then did the live horn part all in this space and it really helped to play in the same space for both uh recordings so this is a little bit of what that sounds like And here's something of mine. I don't know what it is. I'll pick it later. It sounds like this. I would be lying if I didn't say that that touched me in a deep way. Wow. I'd consider I would be you lying. You don't even know what it was. Right. I would be lying. That's true. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, so those are our, um, our, our tips and talks about recording demos, not necessarily for education or anything like that, but just for fun because you should have fun. Um, and I think we're wrapping up now. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for listening to us blather on again. We appreciate you listening and all of your support. Um, we are the Koromoto Horn Duo. Uh, we have lots of things coming up and ideas and all sorts of things. Go check out our other videos and podcasts. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, like iTunes or um, SoundCloud or right SoundCloud or other places that uh, have uh, or maybe, maybe not that. Okay. I don't know. Well, wherever you get your podcast, go go find us there. Um, yep. We also have an email uh, that you can contact us if you want to know anything about what we talked about, which is cornmotohorn at gmail.com. And we have a website, which is www.cornmotohorn.com. And we also have something that I don't know if we've ever – well, we've referenced it a few times, but go check out the Horn Call, where we write articles every Horn Call in the Creative Hornist and Technique Tips sections. You can hear not only our spoken word, but the written word. And you can imagine what that, you can read that in our voices. And read our bios at the end because they change ever so slightly, but are great insights into our lives. Mm -hmm. It's true. So 
I think that's going to about do it. Again, thanks for listening. And um, hey, if you have any topics, suggestions, we're up for that too. Just let us know. Love to hear it. Yeah. But until next time, have a good one. See ya. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.